Um, and there's a lot of variables and factors that go into that. But can you make a living from speaking? Absolutely. We've worked with uh, thousands of speakers and a lot of that are, are generating like significant income, uh, either as a supplemental income or as a, a full-time income just from speaking. Peace family, Will Roundtree here on the Full-Time CEO Podcast, the shit they don't tell you. I interview influential individuals, businessmen, businesswomen, entrepreneurs, moguls, and legends. Now today, I'm going to say we have someone who I'm going to go ahead and call a legend, especially in this space of podcasting, uh, being a speaker, being an author, all of the things that I've been aspiring to be as great as as this individual who, we're, who we have on today. I'm truly excited. So I wanna introduce you guys to some of you who may, this, this may be your first time uh, being introduced to this individual, at least from on my platform. When I got an opportunity and found out that he was actually gonna be on the show, I was excited. So you know, I'm gonna be interviewing and I'm gonna have my pen and pad ready trying to take notes in between me asking questions. So I highly suggest that you guys take notes as you're watching this interview. But I wanna introduce you guys to Mr. Grant Baldwin. Let me tell you a little bit about this individual. I'm gonna let him brag on himself here in a minute, but uh, as founder and CEO of the Speaker Lab, Grant Baldwin has helped thousands of people build successful and sustainable speaking businesses. Now, if you guys don't understand the power in that, people are making six figures from speaking. I remember one of my very first speaking gigs, I got paid $300 and you couldn't tell me anything. Cause I'm like, I got paid $300 to do something I do for free. Oh, sign me up for that. So, so I was ready. And so what Grant has been able to do over the past 15 years and become one of the most sought after speakers, podcasters, authors, and accomplished entrepreneurs featured in the Inc. 5000 list, Forbes, entrepreneurs, the Huffington Post. I mean, the list goes on and on. I could sit here for an hour and literally talk about all his accomplishments, but that's why we brought him on the show because I want him to talk about himself, talk about all of the cool things that he's done and all of the cool people that he's helped. So without further ado, I want to introduce my good friend and very special guest. And as you guys know, anybody who comes on this podcast is special anyway, Mr. Grant. Baldwin, how you doing today, sir? Man, you have hyped this up. Uh, I feel like the bar is set really high, so I hope I can live up to the expectations. But Will, I appreciate you letting me hang out with you, man. Oh, man, no, the pleasure is definitely all mine, man. So, Grant, so for those who probably been sleeping under a rock or who are new to Earth, who <laughs> you know, who is who is Grant Baldwin, man? Let let the world know who you are. Well, most importantly, uh, I'm a husband and a father, uh, married to my high school sweetheart. We actually just celebrated our 20th anniversary. Congratulations. And uh, we got, thanks, man. We got, we got three beautiful daughters. So it's me and a house full of women. It's the absolute best. I love it. And so uh, seriously, like that, that's the most important roles is uh, like, I love entrepreneurship. I love being a speaker. I love being a podcaster. I love this game that we get to play, but uh, I really love being a husband. I really love being a father. So that's, that's the, the, the personal side of, of me that's really important. But uh, outside of that, like, uh, like you mentioned, I'm a, a speaker entrepreneur. I run a training company called The Speaker Lab, where we teach people how to find and book paid speaking gigs. So uh, I've been in the speaking industry for about 15, 16 years at this point. And uh, when I was doing, uh, I got to a point where I was doing about 60, 70 paid gigs a year. And just had a lot of people asking me like, hey, I want to do that. Like, how do I find gigs? And how much do I charge? And who do I speak to? And what do I speak about? And like, how does this mysterious world work? And so we started doing some teaching and coaching and training around that. And that's really evolved into what we do today with The Speaker Lab in, in terms of just helping people understand the ins and outs of the speaking industry and, and how to uh, find and book gigs, uh, earn a little bit of money and, and make an impact along the way. 
Man, no, absolutely. And that, that's powerful. And be, before we go into the business side, I want to dig in a little bit more on the personal side, you know, because you touched on that, because I, I get a lot of entrepreneurs or people who are aspiring entrepreneurs who are looking to break in. And that's one of their, I'm going to say, one of their uh, obstacles is the balance. You know, mm-hmm. they may not be married, but they have kids or they have family or they have other commitments in their life. How do you find that balance between being a husband, uh, uh, being a father? Uh, you know, I'm not sure if you're a brother, obviously you are a son, like wearing these Man. personal roles. How do you find that balance? Because entrepreneur, I tell people entrepreneurship is not for the faint and you're going to work sure. harder in the beginning than you do on your nine to five. And yeah. so how do, how do you find that balance? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of truth to that, especially like when you're getting something going, when you're building a business, like you're just, it, it's a grind, it's a hustle and it take it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. And so I think there's a couple of things to recognize. One is just recognize that every business has seasons, meaning that there's going to be times that are busier than others. So if you are, you know, if you're a, a CPA, if you do taxes, you're, you're an accountant, whenever it comes to tax season around April 15th, like you're just going to be busier than normal. You know, if you're in retail and it comes closer to the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, like it's just going to be busier than other times of the year. And so recognize like there's going to be times where it's just busier. So when I was speaking and I was doing 60, 70 gigs a year, there was, there was um, some weeks where I was gone, you know, five, six, seven nights. And I was going from city to city to city doing gigs. And then there might be a stretch, like a three or four week stretch from home. And it was just a slower season. I didn't have anything. So recognize it's not always going to be perfectly imbalanced. There's going to be times where it's out of balance one way or the other, but be aware of that. So a good question to ask yourself is, is this a busy season or is this the way it is? Is this a busy season or is this the way it is? Meaning like if it's a busy season, it's just like, a, it's just a busy stretch. You know, I, I find that in my own business sometimes where I'll, I'll tell my wife, like, it's just busy right now. It's not always like this, but it's just busy. And so I have to evaluate, is it always like this? Or have I been saying that for a while? And it's really like, it's not getting any better. So recognize like, is this a busy season or is this the way it is? The other thing that's important is you, you have to put boundaries on it. Like I, I think, you know, Will, you and I, we we both enjoy what we do. It's a lot of fun. We're making an impact. We make good money, yada, yada. And so because of that, it's easy to expand to where the point is like, uh, you know, I, I, I work till a certain time and then like, oh man, I, I, but I, I want to come back to it. I want to work in a little, little more in the evenings or a little bit right. more in the mornings. It's just not because like uh, necessarily like we're obsessed with it, but you just enjoy it. It's a lot yeah. of fun. And there's like, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to do. And so just having boundaries is just say like, listen, you know, I'm done at this time, or I'm not going to check emails up to this time, or I'm not going to respond to messages then, or I'm not going to, when I'm on vacation, I'm going to uh, delete email and Slack or whatever notifications off my phone. I'm going to be fully present on the weekends, like putting those boundaries in place to say, no, like I enjoy, like I said, I enjoy being an entrepreneur. I enjoy running a business. I enjoy being a full-time CEO, but I don't want to do those things at the detriment of my roles of being a husband and a father. And so make sure that you just have those boundaries in place and that you're, you're sticking to those things. Right. Now, to that point, do you believe that some people, especially when they're new and being an entrepreneur or being a business owner, they, they just create busy work just because the misconception of an entrepreneur is that you're supposed to grind 24 seven. Cause let's be honest, Grant, a lot of times when you start business, you really don't know what to do. Yeah. You're just kind of, you know, you're just kind of freestyling. So do you think that sometimes people just create busy work just to say that they're busy because they're an entrepreneur? And that's the misconception of what entrepreneurship is about. 
Yeah, I, I think so. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Like, I, I think there's a, a big misconception that you have to, you know, grind constantly. You got to work 24 seven. And like, you, you don't, you know, again, there's going to be seasons where you've got to really work a little bit harder than maybe what you're, you're used to or what your family's used to. But that shouldn't be the norm. This idea that um, this hustle culture of, you know, you're up early, you're up late, and you're just constantly working. Like, I, that's just not sustainable. Like, I, I want to do this for a long time. I want to enjoy what I do. I don't want to like burn out. I don't want to be, um, uh, I don't want to burn bridges or burn relationships. So it means I have to run at a sustainable pace. So you can think about it like, again, the, the analogy of running a marathon versus a sprint, like building a business is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So you can't go at a sprinter's pace and think that you can sustain that. It just doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And, and I get like in the beginning, you are, you're right that you're like, you're throwing some stuff against the wall. I think this works. I think this will, this will click, but like, you, you don't know. Um, but I think it's also easy like as the, as a business grows, like there's always going to be like more opportunities. There's always going to be shiny objects and things that you can do. So I can tell you like right now in our business, there are a lot of things that we say no to like a lot of good opportunities. And I'm very clear that like there's money we are leaving on the table, but I'm okay with that because I don't want to do it at the, and uh, make the trade-off of the work or the effort, the energy that's going to require that's going to start to cut into, to, uh, you know, who I am as a, as a husband, as a dad, and just who I am as a person, like my, uh, I love what I do. I don't work insane hours. Um, I, I work with great people. We have an amazing team. Uh, my stress level is very low. I'm, I'm in great shape. Like I'm checking a lot of boxes in life. And so if that means that all of a sudden, uh, you know, trying some new projects or trying some new, chasing some new shiny objects, uh, chasing some new opportunities is going to decrease some of those things. Like that's just, that's just not worth the trade-off. And so you, you just got to be clear for yourself, like, okay, if I do this thing, is it going to lead to these other things or have a negative impact or influence on those? And it, you know, just making the determination of if, whether or not that that's worth it to you. Yeah, no. And it's interesting because the irony of when we say we want to start a business, we always say for time freedom. Sure. <laughs> and we get started and we we don't create the time for the freedom that we've been fighting for. Yep. And so one of the things that I tell myself is that I only focus on income producing activities during business hours. Yeah, yeah. So this way I try to maximize my time during that, you know, nine to five or 10 to five. You know, I try, typically try to do my workout with my trainer before 10 a.m. My phone is on do not disturb up until about 8 a.m. I'm yeah. not taking any business calls unless someone says, hey, I have a six figure check for you at 630 a.m. <laughs> then, I mean, I may reconsider that, but it definitely can't be at the expense of something going on personally. So yeah. how do you dictate your schedule? Do you sit down with your family and you guys kind of coordinate that together based upon what's going on? Uh, if, you know, the wife and the kids, there's not a lot moving on, moving around, you're a little bit more flexible with your time that you typically would spend with them. How do you break that down for someone who may be listening to this? Yeah, good question. So I can kind of walk through like an, an average week. So uh, during the week, I get up at <clears> six. Um, and then uh, I'll, I'll, I'll usually do some type of strength training three days a week, I go play a pickleball, you ever played pickleball before, Will? I play wiffle ball. I don't know if that's no, no, not the same thing. Not <laughs> right, you don't have to teach me that. Pick, it, pickleball is like, miniature tennis like large ping pong man it's a it, you know it's a, a super popular with like an older crowd so is that where you're hitting it off the wall 
not necessarily like it's a it's a net it's like okay. two on two or, or singles you're playing against one other person okay. you know it's, again it, it looks like a smaller tennis court okay anyway like it, it seems simple but like man you work up a good sweat like this morning right. i played for like an hour hour and a half with some buddies and boy i'm just dripping sweat it, <laughs> it was awesome so i do that a couple days a week um and then usually uh the other couple days a week i, I like to just go for a walk uh go go around the neighborhood for a walking. couple miles yeah. and man just get some fresh air watch the sunrise and and start the day um, I usually got a, a morning routine that consists of, of reading and prayer, um, uh, a couple of different activities that I, I'll, I'll try to do, uh, and then spend a few minutes with the, the family. I work from home, uh, so that definitely makes a big difference. My wife homeschools our, our girls, and so uh, they're here, I'm here. That also gives like a lot of opportunity throughout the course of the day. Of you know, right before we started this, I'd, I'd go out and just hang out with them for a few, and and you know, see what they're doing or what they're up to, or grab lunch with them or whatever. Um, and so there's definitely a lot of freedom there uh, during the day, but toward the late toward the later part of the day i'll usually wrap it up between four and five call it a day i'll try to stay off my phone for the rest of the night try to stay out of slack and off of email um right. and then get back to it tomorrow so i try to just work like normal hours like a eight or nine to five um and normally like later in the week like usually fridays i may work like just a half day or something but again there, there's just there's always more to do there's always one more thing that you could be doing and so one of the things i think you have to learn to get comfortable with is is just saying like i i, I can't get it to it all. And there's some things that are going to get done today and some things that are going to get done tomorrow. Some things that have been on my list for maybe a couple of days or a couple of weeks that I may not get to for still another couple of weeks. And so just drawing a line and saying like, I, I, I can't, I can't do it all. And I, I got to be okay with that. One of the things I'd piggyback on Will that you mentioned earlier that I totally agree with is I think it's easy to get caught up in busy work that you feel like is moving the needle, but it's actually not doing anything. So for example, in our world, a big thing that we teach speakers about is understanding again, how to find and book gigs. And it's easy to do a lot of activities that you feel like are going to somehow magically lead to, to speaking gigs that just don't. So for example, like a lot of speakers are like, well, okay, I'm going to um, work on my website. I'm going to write some new blog posts. I'm going to post a bunch on social media. You know, I'm going to try to get some more followers on Twitter or Instagram or wherever. And like, those things don't move the needle at all. At all. Like what moves the needle for you is reaching out to event planners, having conversations with them, uh, following up with them. Like that's the stuff that actually moves the needle. And again, like you said, is income producing revenue generating activities. So doing those things, figuring out what those things are that actually make the difference in terms of like getting paid and, and built, generating revenue for your business. What are those things? And make sure that you're doing those things versus like doing things that you, like you're trying to justify and tell yourself that you're doing something when like you're, you're really not. It's like, um, uh, I, I give my dad grief sometimes. He, uh, he goes to uh, a local gym from time to time. Uh, and I, 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 haven't, I haven't been with him in a while, but uh, sometimes uh, I hear him like, man, I went to the gym for an hour, but like, kind of like you walk around, you kind of like, <laughs> you know you're going you, to the gym but you're not at you're not really yeah there. like you did some laps you know and then like you picked right, up some weights right. and you set it down you know like right. man I, I was at i worked out for an hour but you didn't like you went to the gym and like you sort of like goofed around for a little bit you know so it's kind of like it's kind of like that with like any type of business it's like the idea of like we're, we're playing business you know mm. in, in air quotes there versus like actually doing the work that leads to the results that you're trying to right. accomplish yeah, no, and, and it shows, you know, they say time promotes or exposes what you say you are doing. Yeah. And I'm a true believer in that. So I want to reach back to something that you said, because I work with a lot of upcoming entrepreneurs who are trying to start a business, 
uh, helping them get some capital so that they can invest into their company, whether it's for their marketing budget, whether it's for hiring, overall operating cost. And you mentioned that you work from home. Mm-hmm. I often tell new entrepreneurs, businessmen, businesswomen, the most wasteful expense in the beginning is an office. Yeah. First, get a, get a customer. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, I remember this was about three, four years ago. I had uh, uh, put out an email for some volunteers to come out and help me with the photo shoot. Gentleman came out. He was impressed and he wanted to kind of do something similar to what I was doing in the financial space. So he went out and secured an office with a two year lease. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you don't even have a customer. Your LLC ink isn't even dry on the paperwork. What are you doing? Yep. And people are taking away from their business because, again, they want to look like they have a business. And I tell I, I told people I didn't have an office for four years. If yeah. I had to meet with someone and I, I would meet with I would rent a day office, fifteen dollars an hour, sit with them in the conference room. They knew they didn't even know the difference yeah. because they're they're not there to look at the shiny stuff. They're there yeah. to meet with the product or service that I'm looking to offer them. Can, can you kind of just break down to people who are looking in that, who are looking to join business about the appearance of being in business versus just, you know, actually running the business and that you don't necessarily need all of that, you know, and I know that, you know, in, in your world, you, you, you work with so many entrepreneurs and I'm pretty sure they come up with all of these imageries of what they think successful mm-hmm. businesses look like. How, how can you talk to someone who, who, who may be kind of stuck in that area, Grant? Yeah, I think that there's again so much truth. I totally, I was, I was throwing out some amens there if you're as you were describing that. So I, I've been self-employed for 15, almost 16 years at this point. Like having had a a paycheck from an outside organization, <clears throat> haven't had a W two in in years and years and years. I've never paid for an office, and I've never gone to an office. Like selfishly, personally, like I like working from home. Like that's just me. I know, you know, we have a. Uh, like I was talking with one of our, our directors earlier on the, uh, within our company and um, he worked from home for a couple of months. And he's like, man, this, this just don't work for me. Like I got I to gotta go somewhere else. Right. And so I get that. Like everybody's right, dynamic right. and home dynamic is going to be different. And some people that may make more sense for than others. But to your point there, well, like like saying, okay, day one of business, let's go find an office, you know? Now, again, there may be some type of businesses where that is necessary, but for a high majority of them, like that's not the case. And so working from home, working from your bedroom, working from the kitchen table, whatever, like do that, go to a Starbucks if you need to, but like wasting money on those type of things before you're generating money. Like even to this day, there are things like our, our company generates many, many millions of dollars. And so there's a lot of things that we could easily justify and afford, but just going like, we don't need that. Like, that's just not necessary. Like, it's not going to move the needle. It's not going to make any difference in the business. What we have right now is working. It's fine. We don't need to, to spend a whole bunch on something totally different. So um, whether that's going to be like your, you know, your, your website or pictures or, you know, any of that type of stuff, like make sure stuff looks professional, make sure stuff looks sharp. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you need to have spent like a, a stupid amount of money on it. Like, cause a lot of those things, they're just, they're not going to make a difference. They're not going to move the needle for you. At all. I mean, I, I'd rather you invest more into your grooming habits, <laughs> you know, get a nice suit, get a, you know, get it tailored up or, you know, whatever, you know, your audience, you know, is captivating. Yeah. Focus on that. But yeah, you don't have to do all of that. So, uh, so moving forward, how does, how does one get into speaking? Cause you know, we often hear, 
hey, I made 75,000 at this speaking engagement. I hear I've made millions or even just someone starting, like I had a client of mine who I've been coaching and he just uh, partnered with an organization and he's now charging them $500 to speak mm -hmm. per uh, event. But here's the thing that's so powerful about this, about my client. He was incarcerated for 16 years mm -hmm. and I, you know, but, but I've been mentoring him on, you know, understanding, you know, the, his business and how to structure his business. You know, he's, he's learned to, to put himself out there as a professional. He didn't go squander a bunch of money on the office, but, but just the fact that now he's able to command an audience who's willing to pay him. How does one even get into that arena? How did you even get started in that? Cause that's not something that, you know, people think a lot of times is even possible for someone to pay them to come and speak. Yeah, totally. So I'll give you a little bit of, of my background and we can kind of dig in wherever. So uh, way back in high school, I was really involved in my local church and my youth pastor had a big impact in my life. And I was like, I want to do that. Like, that seems like a cool gig. If I can make the kind of impact in others that he made in me, like that'd be super significant. And so uh, I actually went to Bible college. I was a youth pastor for a little while. And that uh, being on staff at a church gave me the opportunity to speak, you know, and, and it gave me some at bats and some reps. And, and so speaking was one of those things I felt like I was decent at and wanted to do more of, but I just had no idea like, you know, again, how do you find gigs and how much you charge and like who hires speakers? And at the time, this was again, 16 years ago or so, like there's no books, there's no podcasts, there's no courses, there's no training. And like, so I, I, I spent all my time, like just emailing other speakers, just doing a Google search for speakers, finding someone who's speaking on something similar or who I'd want to speak to and just harassing them via email, like just peppering them with questions. Did you do like, the whole, Hey, can I take you to lunch? <laughs> yeah. Let me pick your brain. Like all that crap, you know, you're right. just doing like whatever right. you can just to learn something. Um, and you know, figured out a few things and got to the point where I started booking some gigs and eventually was, was doing it full time. And so we, when we started the speaker lab, it was basically to help people who were where I was when I got started. We we're trying to create like what I, what do I wish I had? Because when I got started, I felt like I had the potential, but I needed the plan. I had the potential, but I needed the plan. Meaning I felt like I was a decent speaker. I wasn't the best. I wasn't the worst, but like I'd, I'd done enough speaking to know like, all right, there's something there. I'm okay at this, but I needed the plan. I need someone to tell me like, man, how do I, how do I do this? Just tell, I can execute. I can, I can deliver, but just tell me like, what do I need to do? And so that's what we tried to create. That's what we, what we do with, with speakers today within the speaker lab through our different, you know, training programs and, uh, and opportunities. But uh, as far as like, speaking yeah there are just massive opportunities for speakers and i think one of the great things with speaking is that there's not necessarily a right or wrong way to do it meaning that there's some people who they want to be full-time speakers you know you want to do 50 75 100 plus gigs a year and that's fine and other people who may be watching or listening going like i don't i don't want to do that but i've got a good gig going and i wouldn't mind doing i don't know five or ten gigs a year again i just don't know how do i find those what do i speak about how does this world work and so i think it's also important to like really like set some proper expectations for yourself in terms of what it is that you want to accomplish by being a speaker, meaning there are, again, some people who want to speak and they collect a check and that's kind of the end of the transaction. Other people who want to use speaking as, let's say, lead generation for their business. Maybe they do uh, some type of product or service or coaching or consulting or some type of agency where they offer some type of, of service. Uh, so, for example, there's a, a speaker we worked with. And they had a, a very successful coaching business and they were doing several hundred thousand dollars a year in coaching. Uh, but what they would do is they'd go speak at, at something like 30 or 40 speaking gigs a year and they do all of these gigs for free 
but it was all for Legion for their coaching business. So on the surface, you're just like, wait a minute, you're doing all these gigs for free. Like, what's the point of it? You're losing money. But their entire coaching business, several hundred thousand dollars, multiple six figures is built upon doing these speaking gigs, but speaking to the right audiences and generating those leads for the coaching business. So again, speaking can be, can, can look a lot of different ways, depending on what it is that you want to, you want to accomplish. Now, I'd also say like, it's important to set your expectations in terms of financially. Like you mentioned, yeah, there, there are other speakers that get paid 25, 50, 75, 100,000 or more. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely not the, uh, not common, right? It's, it's typically for people that are getting paid 50, 75, $100,000 most of the time, that's going to be celebrities and people who are going to uh, people are going to show up um, because of not necessarily what they have to say, but because of who they are. Right, and so absolutely. their names are going to put butts in seats, right? Uh, you know, they're they're made, it's like going to a concert. You know, if you go see uh, you know Beyonce and Jay Z, it's because like it's Beyonce and Jay Z. Like they're good at what they do, right. but they're also you're paying for the name uh, of just the, the the brand that they they bring to the table and. Most of us as speakers, we just, we, it's not like people are like, oh man, Will and Grant are speaking of that. They're forming to buy a ticket to go. Like that's right. typically not the case for most people. Right. Um, but you absolutely can make, you know, several hundred or several thousand dollars as a, as a speaker. Um, and there's a lot of variables and factors that go into that, but can you make a living from speaking? Absolutely. We've worked with uh, thousands of speakers and a lot of that are, are generating like significant income, uh, either as a supplemental income or as a, a full-time income just from speaking. Right. So one of the things that, you know, I've learned about speaking and, and, and I can remember one of my very first times speaking in front of a room grant. This when I was in network marketing. It was around 2004 and I was so raw. I was, you know, I didn't know how to communicate. I didn't know how to orotate a room or none of that. And I'm up there and I'm using all these slang terms and yeah. nobody could understand me. My suit was baggy and I'm sure I was a mess, but I was like, you know what? One day I'm going to redeem myself. And what I started to do is I would just watch other speakers yeah. because I started to learn that speaking really is an art form. Because first of all, you have to keep people's attention past two minutes. Yep. I mean, we live in a world now where 140 characters, you lose after 141, you may lose someone's attention on social media. Yep. So to be able to keep someone's attention past, you know, three, five, 10, 15, 30 minutes, that's a skill set. Yep. Where would someone begin if they say, you know what? I think possibly I could, you know, uh, be a speaker. Like what are some qualities or are there characteristics or can it, is it something that is taught? You know, uh, John Maxwell says that leadership is not necessarily, you're not necessarily born with it. You can learn it. So yeah. is this a skill set that you also can learn? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, a couple of things I would say to that one is I think it's easy to look at um, you know, a John Maxwell or a Tony Robbins or fill in the blank, whoever you look up to, you admire, you respect, and it's like, oh man, I'm not as good as them. I'll never be as good as them. It's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're not right now, but like they've been doing it for a long time. It's kind of like, you know, if, if you're, you're watching LeBron play basketball and they're like, oh man, I'll never be as good as him. Yeah. Like there's some, uh, physical characteristics and attributes and traits and strength and size that he's born with that maybe you and I aren't born with, but also like He's been doing it for a long time and he works really, really hard at it. So the point being like, you can't compare where you are today, like on step one to where someone else is on step 50. Like, that's just not, that's not fair. That's not realistic. That's not helpful for anyone. So that's one thing to like, keep in mind is like, don't get stuck in this comparison trap of where someone else is in their business relative to, to where you are. The other thing that I think is important to remember is that uh, everybody starts from zero. 
everybody, everybody starts from zero. Like any speaker, author, podcaster, entrepreneur that you look up to, you admire, you respect, like there was a time when they started and they sucked at what they did. Uh, and then they did like their first gig or they released their first podcast or they wrote their first book or wrote the first paragraph or whatever. Like everybody starts from zero. And so the way that you become better as a speaker, the way that you become better as an author, the way that you become better as a podcaster or whatever is to do the thing. The way that you become better as a basketball player is not like watching YouTube videos and thinking about it or reading books. Like you just got to get out and start shooting and just right. like, you're going to miss some, you're going to make some. The way that you get better as a speaker is that you speak. And so like, Will, you mentioned like that experience where you got up there and it just didn't go well. And like, man, that was a disaster. But like that makes you a better speaker in the future because you right. figure out what works, what doesn't work. You can make some tweaks, make some refinements and you get better each time you do it. But if you're so scared to do anything that to the point where you're just sitting on the sideline, and you don't ever take any steps of action. Like you're not going to get any anywhere. And so you, you have to, at some point, like get off the shore, get in the water, start figuring it out. Cause I'll, I'll tell you this, like, um, any entrepreneur that I I've, I've met or talked to any speaker, like it's easy to look up to admire, put people up on pedestals. But the reality is everybody, myself included, we are all making it up as we go. We're really doing the we best are. we can. <laughs> and we, you know, some days like, yeah, I'm, I'm not too bad at this. Another day is like, I don't know how we're going to make any money this month. You know, like that's the reality of it. Like that's, but that's business, the fun that's part too. That's absolutely. the fun part about it. Like, like I heard this illustration the other day. It's like entrepreneurship is like a roller coaster, right? And it go, you go up and you go down and you go fast and there's twists and turns and that sort of thing. And so like, if you, I, I personally, I love a good roller coaster. So right. when I get on a roller coaster, I can't be surprised when it goes down. Like that's what a roller coaster does. It goes right. up and it goes down. So I can't be like, whoa, 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 wait, why are we going down? Like that's what roller coasters do. Right. Like that's the same way with, with entrepreneurship. Like they, they go up, they go down. Like that's just part of it. And so when a roller coaster goes down, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with a roller coaster. Like you signed up to get on a roller coaster. The same thing is true with entrepreneurship. Like when you have bad days or like when sales aren't what you thought, or when you have a, you know, a frustrating client or a vendor or employee or team member, or you're just working long hours or you're stressed, whatever, like, yeah, that, it's a roller coaster. That's what's supposed to happen. And that's part of what you what you signed up for. So I think, again, just like setting that proper expectations that, um, that you can do this, you can be successful at it, but that doesn't mean like it's always perfect and that you've got it all figured right. out. Yeah, what were some of the earlier obstacles or challenges that, or the, the downs that you may have had to go through? Because one of the things that, you know, a lot of people, I think you hit the nail on the head with the word expectation. Yeah, entrepreneurship has been so glorified. Mm -hmm. Like in my in my second book, Full Time CEO, the shit they don't tell you. Hence the title of this podcast. I talk about the downtrout parts of entrepreneurship. Yeah. You're gonna lose friends. You're gonna lose money. You may lose relationships. You may fail seventy percent of the time. I tell people I I failed seventy percent of the time. Yeah. But all I had to do was find that one percent that worked got get really good at that and continue and repeat that and then the next venture i may jump into figure out what works and doesn't work in that and so I, I i understand and i don't mind going through the ebbs and flows or the ups and downs of it because i know how to come out of that and so yeah. what were some of the early obstacles that you may have had to go through or that the challenges that you've learned from and took that experience to be able to elevate to where you are in your career right now 
Yeah. I mean, a lot of them, you know, there are times where like, maybe I'd go do a speaking gig and it just didn't go well. You know, you just come off stage and you're just like, okay, I suck. Like, what am I doing? You know, (laughs) that happens. There's times where like, uh, I've chased a a gig and like followed up and followed up and followed up. And then they booked another speaker, you know, and just like, or you, you feel like you're playing this again, playing the comparison game where you're looking at other speakers who, man, why that, why is that person, they keep getting booked for everything. Like what, I'm way better than it. Like, why are people right. booking that Yahoo? Yeah. You know, it's right. just like, it can be frustrating. It can be, right. you know, um, stressful. You know, there's times where you have these big ebbs and flows financially and with cash flow. you know, when, when you may have a month where you're doing, let's say six, seven, eight gigs and you're like, man, I may bank that month. And then you have a month where you're like, I'm not bringing in anything, you know? And you're just like, honey, do we, are we sure we need all these kids? Can we sell one of these? Like, <laughs> do they all need to eat? They don't all need to eat. Right? Right, right. And so you just have like, you just have those times where it's just, it's tense, it's stressful, you know? And again, that's kind of goes back to the, the roller coaster analogy of just like, yeah, there's times where roller coasters are just like scary. Like, I, yeah, man, I thought I was going to die. Uh, right. man, like that's, that's part of what you signed up for. That's part of the experience. But I think the, um, uh, I, I think like having a lot of self-awareness, like trusting your gut instinct, like goes a long way. Um, uh, I also think just like having a long-term perspective, you know, like I said, I, I've been at this for 15, 16 years. And so I just know like, all right, I've seen this movie before and, and some days are going to be great and some days are going to suck. And like, again, that's part of it. I, I'll give you an example. Like when, uh, like right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, you know, again, my company, we teach people how to find a book paid speaking gigs and the pandemic hits and like, there's no speaking gigs. And no. so all of a sudden, like sales start slowing down dramatically. Uh, and I'm just like, well, crap, like, what are we going to do? You know? Cause like, I, I got a, a bunch of employees and team and families and yada, yada, and just like, so now what, you know, how, how is this going to work? How are we going to come out of this? Um, and so especially like March, April, 2020 was very, very stressful of just like, I don't, I don't know what, what we're going to do. And I know like, obviously a lot of people felt like that. Correct. Um, but we ended up like, we, we quickly pivoted toward leaning into uh, teaching about virtual speaking gigs. And that was something that was starting to come on as like, all right, here's maybe a, a viable option. So we leaned into that, that did really well. And like 2020 ended up being like a massive record year for us. Um, but again, in the moment, when you're just looking through that one little microscopic block of time, uh, it feels super, super stressful and overwhelming. Uh, but you zoom out like, no, I, like everything worked out. It was fine. It, it was, you yeah, know, that's part of it. I had something that happened, um, a couple of weeks ago that was, um, like one of the more stressful things that has happened to me in business. I'm like, fast forward to today is this recording. And like, it played out fine. It wasn't that big a deal after all, but boy, in the moment, you just feel like, crap, what are we going to do? You know? Yeah. So like, that's, that's part of it. Like those, those moments happen. It's not, it's not always going to be smooth sailing. Yeah. And, and that's why I often say, you know, 60% of the things that people, humans stress out about typically never happens yeah, yeah. the way we play it out mentally. And this is why that mindset component is so important. You know, Jim Rohn says, when you change your thinking, that's when you'll become successful. And for you to even go through that ebb and flow of going through the pandemic, which everybody experienced, but it was those who had the mindset to say, you know what, it's a way to create an opportunity out of this scenario and still be able to help other people and our business still be able to thrive. We can still pay our employees and we don't miss a beat. And and, and, and that's where that, that mental game. And I tell people entrepreneurship, I'll just say life. It's all mental. Yeah, it's all mental. And, and, and it's that's how you get through those moments to be able to say, you know what? And this is the part I love about entrepreneurship. And I can tell you're, you, you appreciate these moments just as much. It's moments like that is where you say, 
this is why I got into entrepreneurship to figure this shit out. Yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I, I love that part of it. And so um, I, I think that's something that you have to go through and people are scared and fearful and, and even kind of uh, pivoting from that standpoint, the fear of public speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, they often say people would rather go to and have surgery than yeah. to speak in front of people. Grant, if you would have met me 10 years ago, you couldn't pay me to speak just in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> like I was that fearful of, of speaking. And, and now it's something that I've actually grown to love. And it's something that I, I almost feel that I have to go and speak in front of people. I feel that yeah. My energy source comes from the energy that you give and that you get back. Why do you think public speaking is so fearful for most people? Yeah, I mean, it definitely is for a lot of people. Um, uh, I also think there's a, a misconception that um, that that's anybody who's standing on stage and speaking doesn't get nervous. And I don't think that that's the case at all. Like I, I still when I get up on stage, like I still feel those butterflies. I still feel that nerves and I feel a little, um, you know, I I feel that rumbling in my stomach and like that, I think that's normal. Like, I think that it's easy to confuse excitement and adrenaline for, uh, fear or nerves. And and the reality is, it's just like, again, let's go back to the roller coaster example. Like when you're standing in line for a roller coaster, like you starting, like you're getting close to the front of the line, the adrenaline starts pumping, you're feeling it in the stomach. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You get in there, they strap you in and you're just like, man, are you sure? Is this locked in place? Are we good? Like you feel that again. It's just right. like, it's, it's not like you don't legitimately feel like you're going to die. You just, it's kind of your body's heightened awareness of like, Hey, heads up. Like, this is a big deal. You know, you think about like, um, moment, like big significant moments in life where your body may have reacted, uh, in the same way. So for example, um, I think about like when my, when my daughters were born or when I proposed to my wife, you know, like those moments were just like, wow, I, I felt that same feeling. Not that I was nervous, like she was going to say no, or that something was going to go wrong, but like, you just kind of like, man, just like, this is a big deal, you know? And so I want to, I want to be like present locked in for this moment. Um, and so what do you do about that? Cause you don't want it to become debilitating as a speaker where you just get up and like, you can't even form a sentence because you're just so paralyzed and crippled by fear. And so I think there's a few things to do. Again, one is that the more you speak, the more comfortable you become. You just, you build that confidence, you build that muscle. And that's true with speaking. That's true with anything. You know, the way you get better as a speaker is you speak, the way you get better um, at juggling something is you practice juggling and you're going to build that confidence over time. The other thing I think you can do is, uh, is really spend a lot of time practicing and preparing. I think, uh, again, some of the best speakers on the planet we assume that they, you know, they're just naturally funny or they're naturally charismatic or they're naturally whatever. And they just scribbled a couple of ideas on a napkin and hop up and it just all magically works out. And like, it just doesn't work like that. Like they spend hours and hours and hours practicing, rehearsing, going over it time and time and time again to you. It seems like they're just making this up, but to them, like it's, they are really dialed in again. Let's go back to like LeBron and basketball, right? You're just like, Oh, he's just naturally good. And it all just, he just, he, he doesn't have to practice. He's just, he's just big and large and athletic. And like, no, like the dude still practices constantly so that he can be, you know, one of the greatest, if not the greatest all time. And so the same thing is true with, with speakers is like, you got to put in the reps, you got to put in the work so that by the time you get up on stage, you feel comfortable, you feel confident uh, and you still feel the nerves, feel, still, feel, still feel the butterflies. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not like, again, it's not overwhelming or it's not debilitating. No, great. That's a great point. And as you were talking about that analogy, I even think about as an athlete, we'll see an athlete hit a crazy shot, mm-hmm. not knowing they practiced 
that one-legged uh, fadeaway shot from with their left hand and their right-handed every single day. Yeah. So it really is that muscle memory. And so for someone who's looking to get into speaking, um, can they come to your program just as raw as ever? Are there some things they should work on before they get to you? What should be their expectation? Like what, 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 what is, cause I'm, I'm pretty sure someone's going to look at this and they say, you know what? I finally found something that I, uh, that can help me get to that next level in speaking. Sure. What, what should be those beginning steps for that individual? Yeah, we work with a lot of speakers who are just brand new, who are like, again, I've done a few speaking gigs before. Maybe I've been paid a time or two. Maybe I've done a lot free. It's just some like random stuff that's fallen in my lap. I want to do more. I don't know what to do now. Like that's a lot of who we work with. And so don't feel like you've got to have it all figured out. Don't feel like you've got to have, um, you know, the, the talk figured out or who you'd even speak to or what you speak about. Like most speakers are just like, I, I don't even know what I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know how to get started. And so we can absolutely help with that. Uh, another thing I would say is you, you mentioned this earlier, um, but I think it's a big misconception that speakers assume like in order to be a successful speaker, you have to have some crazy background story, meaning like you have to have played in the NBA. You have to have won a gold medal. You have to have cured cancer. You have to have climbed Mount Everest. You have to have done something that like, therefore you should be a speaker, you know? So like me, like I'm a white male from the Midwest who had a normal middle-class life. Like I've never even broken a bone. Like there's nothing on paper where you'd be like, oh, okay, well, of course that dude's a speaker. No, like I'm just a normal guy. Right. And so again, I think that there's just a, a misconception that like you have to have something crazy that's happened in your life in order to be a speaker. Um, when the reality is, is like, as a speaker, your primary job is to solve one specific problem for one specific audience. Like that's what it is. And again, this isn't exclusive to just speaking. Like this is true, just business in general. Very so true. like one analogy we give a lot is that you want to be the steakhouse and not the buffet, the steakhouse and not the buffet. And what I mean by that is, Will, let's imagine like, you know, you're there in Vegas. There's a lot of good steakhouses. If you and I were looking for a good steak, we could, we could go to a buffet. There's a lot of good buffets in, in Vegas, but you go to a buffet, steak is one of a hundred things that they offer. Yeah. And most of the time they're all pretty mediocre. Or you could go to a steakhouse where they do one thing, but they do that one thing really, really well. They don't do tacos. They don't do pizza. They don't do sandwiches. They do steak and that's it. And it's counterintuitive because we think the more things we can speak about or the more uh, different types of audiences we can speak to, the more opportunities we will have. But that's not what people are looking for. Like people are looking for a specialist and not a generalist. And so when you're like, you know, who do I speak to? I don't know, man. I, I speak to people. I speak to humans. My message is for everybody. Like, right. well, it's really for nobody. And if you say, what do you speak about? And you say, well, what do you want me to speak about? I can speak about uh, marketing or sales or entrepreneurship or parenting or hiking or pickleball or wiffle ball or whatever. It's just like, you, you can't, you can't try to do all of those things versus right. like, no, no, I'm really, really good at one thing and solving one specific problem for one specific audience. And so that's ultimately what speaking is. And again, that's not just speaking. That's business yeah. solving one specific problem for one specific audience versus trying to be all things for all people. And like, that just doesn't work. No, I appreciate that. Cause I know there's a lot of people who feel that they have to go out there and do 10 different things, Yeah, but that's because that's what the internet is telling people to do. They yeah. say, you, you got to know how to do all these things. No master one great thing. Yeah. I tell people there's someone, there's many people in the, in major league baseball, who make hundreds of millions of dollars for bunting the ball. Yeah. They don't even hit a home run. They just bunt. 
Like I, I'm trying to still figure out how to get to that position. But as we wrap up here, Grant, and again, I appreciate you taking time out of your extremely busy day. You know, what is that one thing that you wish you knew back as you were coming up in this world of business that you know now? If you can look back at young Grant 15 years ago, what what is that one thing you wish you could, could have known back then that could help you? Yeah. I mean, one thing I would say is just having a long-term perspective, you know, like business is hard and it takes a while to, to build something. Um, and so keeping that long-term perspective and not like, all right, man, I tried this for a few weeks and it didn't work. It's like, eh, yeah, so you're not going to see the results that you're hoping for, uh, within a few weeks. Like it's just, it takes time. And so you think about like the difference between, uh, sowing and, and harvesting, you know, when you're sowing, you're putting seeds in the ground and you're watering it and you're making sure it gets enough sunlight and you're making sure it has all the nutrients it needs. But like, you may not see anything from there may not be anything that comes out of the ground for a little while there it doesn't mean nothing's happening but like you just have to like i'm going to do the work here and that doesn't mean like it's going to blow up overnight or it's going to become this big deal but like like another thing i think that's been helpful for us is uh i i've been in the speaking industry for 16 years so it's not like I'm like, man, I, I have a speaking business, but then also like I have a, uh, an, e, an Amazon business and this e-commerce thing that I do. And then also I do, you know, coaching with realtors. And then it's just like, and I do financial planning on the side. It's like all these different things. No, no, like I'm in the speaking industry and like, I've been in the speaking industry my entire career basically. And like that alone, like builds like good long-term Perfect. dividends, um, but versus like just trying to like bounce around. So I, th I think just like having a long-term perspective, knowing like, just keep doing the work, keep putting in the reps, keep putting in the effort. You'll see results, but like, don't, don't get to a point where you're just like, oh man, it's hard. And so I'm going to throw in the towel. Like, no, come on, like stick with it. Cause it's, it's definitely, it's, it's worth the effort and the, the, um, the energy in order to get the impact that you're, 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 uh, you're striving for. No, I agree, man. I tell people one of the biggest differentiators between success and unsuccessful people is time. That yeah. is really, truly one of the things. Yeah. So Grant, man, I appreciate you uh, spending some time. I had a, 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 a great time learning more about speaking. I'm sure, you know, in, everyone who's watching this episode will, 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 will want to reach out to you. How can people reach out to Mr. Grant Baldwin? Yeah, so a couple of ways. Um, one is if you're listening to this uh, this show or podcast, you probably are listening to other ones. And so we have a podcast called the Speaker Lab. The Speaker Lab podcast, we got nearly 400 episodes there. So a lot of great content, all things speaking related. So check that out. We also got a book called The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Getting Gigs, Getting Paid and Building Your Platform. So definitely check that out on uh uh, physical copy or ebook, Audible, all of those uh, editions are available. Uh, and then everything we do is over at thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. And so again, if you're just, you're brand new, don't know what you don't know, maybe you've been at it for a little while, you're trying to figure out how to do more gigs consistently, get higher fees, let us know. We're absolutely happy to help you however we can. So yeah, everything we do is at thespeakerlab.com. And they can live anywhere in the world and you've been mm -hmm. able to assist them. I see you've spoken pretty much globally. Yeah, we've uh, we've got speakers in all 50 U.S. states and actually in 49 different countries around the world, um, all different ages, all different topics, all different subjects. Uh, and so, yeah, there's you'd be surprised. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. We'll wrap, we can wrap up with this if you want. But um, there's a lady who came to us a, a few years ago who's a veterinarian, worked with animals, and she wanted to be a speaker. So we helped her. We walked her through the process, teach you everything. And she came back uh, a little while later and she said, hey, I just booked my first gig. I was like, awesome. Tell me about it. She was paid $5,000 to speak in Vegas at a pet sitting conference. 
a wow. pet sitting conference. I was like, what? I mean, if she would have come to me beforehand. It's like, Hey, I want to speak at pet sitting conferences. What are the options? I was like, I don't think there are any, but, but like, I mean, she, she was paid $5,000 to speak at a pet sitting conference. So again, all that to say, like there's opportunities that exist there. So wherever you're at, where in your, your speaking career, you're brand new or you've been at it for a while and you want to build and grow your speaking business and your platform, make an impact and an income with your message. Like let us know. We, we definitely want to help you. Absolutely. So make sure you guys reach out to my good friend, Grant Baldwin, over at The Speaker Lab. Let them know Will Roundtree sent you. And so uh, we, we were wrapping up on our episode of the Full-Time CEO Podcast, The Shit They Don't Tell You, where I get to interview some of the coolest people on the planet, entrepreneurs, businessmen, businesswomen, uh, uh, low, uh, moguls, as well as legends. And I'm going to go ahead and stamp Grant with the legend tag. He's been in this game for 15, 16 plus years. I see no stop in him. I can see him speaking at 90 years old and still collecting a check and helping a lot of people. So make sure y'all go and follow my good friend. Make sure y'all go support his business. Go buy his book because, you know, as they say, most of the great information is in the books. Just yeah. go pick it up. You don't even got to yep. get the book. Just get the audio. Whatever yep. you do, just go support Grant. And so until then, I will see you guys on the other side. Make sure you guys like, comment, follow, share these episodes. And until then, I'll see you at the top. Peace. <laughs>